The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Spirits Podcast, episode 32, The Butterfly Lovers with Linda. That's such a cute name for such a sad, sad story. It is super sad. It's it's mad tragic. <laughs> it is really bad. Uh, and it also has the benefit of being a myth that you didn't know the end of it. No. So it was really delightful to kind of watch you experience and guess like I do every week mm-hmm. about what this myth actually is. So Linda did a great job. Yes, Linda did amazing. And we're re- really excited for you to hear it. But first, we got to take care of some stuff. Housekeeping. Yes, housekeeping. Let's look at the list. So welcome, first and foremost, to our newest patrons, Chan, Olivia, Laura, Tristan, Amanda, not me, Madeline, John, Jessica, and Kimberly, and to MCF, who upgraded to be a $10 level patron. Thank Killing you. It. Thank you. Um, and as always, to our supporting producer level patrons, Leanne Davis, Shannon Alford, Phil Fresh, Catherine Addington, Christina Rogers, and Griffin Meckelberg. Our happiest butterfly people yes happy green butterflies and not and not sad white death butterflies yes. you'll see Don't ideally worry. you'll see if you haven't been following us on twitter we are now on instagram and soundcloud if you listen to your podcast on soundcloud you can now listen to this Woo. this thing right here on soundcloud you can share the playlist with all our episodes to your friends you can you can rock out and uh on sunday when we were playing D hashtag spirits dnd uh with julia jake uh eric silver former guest and eric schneider uh podcast editor it's just a whole family of spirits D. uh we were putting the the campaign live on instagram stories so yes. you should go follow us over there at spirits podcast and see behind the scenes our drinks our setup fan art miss we love all of it you're gonna see some cool shit that you normally wouldn't see by this audience Audio medium. <laughs> Multimedia magic. Amanda, I want to talk about this week. What are we consuming? What are we enjoying? What's up? What Stuff we like to? corner. Yes. So I am, number one, listening to our mutual friend, Zach Valenti's new daily podcast. It's so good, guys. It is so good. Focused AF. It's like Focused just getting to spend the day with Zach Valenti and everyone should want to do that. I mean, I want to do that every day. Yes. And I mean, the, the days that I do, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. But the days that I don't, I can listen to the podcast. I know. It's really He's doing great. a daily podcast, which is just a, a amazing, amazing output and B he's actually really good at podcasting oh, he is. so it's you know great audio very cool it's cool just like here in new york represented through someone else i don't know it, it's awesome so that's my recommendation for this week okay cool um my recommendation for this week is a show on sci-fi channel it's also on netflix uh called winona erp uh, how do you spell that <laughs> uh w-y-n-o-n-n-a space yep e-a-r-p Awesome. Um, and it's the about... Roger. It is... Roger. <laughs> it is a Roger. It is amazing. It is about a woman who turns 27 and a curse comes upon her. It's like Western and supernatural. And Whoa. there's demon fighting. And there's a dude who's ageless. And it's amazing. And there's witches. Whoa. And I'm amazed I that just, I'm only hearing about this right now. It's really good. And there's like adorable bi people and just like oh god it's Squeeze. so good and like women owning up to their sexuality and not being slut shamed and it's so great and i love Man. it so much that's all a girl wants. and like also dealing with like ptsd and like really like impressive issues for a sci-fi show it's awesome awesome uh, one of my favorite things about the show elementary which i am like such a huge fan of is their like nuanced depiction of recovery and friendship and addiction and forgiveness and like boundaries and just seeing healthy relationships 
relationships or in people just like dealing with their shit mm-hmm. is one of my favorite things in media. We had a great response to the past two weeks where we've done uh, Myth Chat Monday, which is something we do on Twitter, and I extended it over to Facebook last week. So again, if you're not following us at Spirits Podcast, what are you doing? Yeah, guys, come on, what are you doing? But... What I would love to do, because you guys inspired us with all your cool hometown urban legends. Y'all have some creepy shit in your hometown. I love it. I want to do a hometown urban legends listener selection. Yeah. So what you guys can do is you can send us through our email, through our website, on Twitter DM, I guess, if you wanted to. Or Facebook message. Or Facebook message. Send us your stories and we will read them in an awesome extra bonus episode or whatever. Yeah. Let us know if you want us to read your name or just refer to you anonymously or by your first name, uh, but we have so many cool stories to share in our inboxes, and we are really, really excited, but we need enough of them to fill up a whole little bonus episode, so send them in. Yes. This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty. Ah, smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash, hmm, you can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. Hey, Billy, why don't we tell them what we're about, man? So we're here to welcome you to the Madhouse Chronicles. It's a talk show with myself, Billy Morrison. And me, as the This man, Prince of Darkness, and we watch and react to the maddest internet clips. What do we discuss, Ozzy? Drugs, rock and roll, aliens, all that kind of shit. Drugs, rock and roll, aliens, and all that kinds of shit. Come and join Ozzy and myself. Visit OsborneMediaHouse.com to get special access to... Come to, on! What do you say? Do you think it's the wildest show on the internet. (laughs) So without further ado, enjoy Spirits episode 32, The Butterfly Lovers with Linda. Linda, thank you so much for joining us here on Spirits to tell us what is apparently going to be quite a depressing story about love. You know, it's what I live for, to find happiness and puncture it wherever I possibly can. <laughs> nice. Good, I, good, good. I think that's why we're friends, so yeah. I, I really appreciate that. Um, but what what is the background to the story? Why, why is this something that you decided to bring to us today? So... The origins of this come in, I'm a first generation immigrant. I was actually born in Shanghai in China. I lived there until I was about three before we immigrated to the US. And one of the things that always came up, I grew up in Raleigh, North Carolina, grits forever. Grits forever. <laughs> is, is like what kind of barbecue you'd like? A question that is divisive? Is that uh, you No, because people? there's only one correct answer. See, yes. It's called Eastern Carolina vinegar based barbecue. So that's a yes. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody else is wrong. Um, But it it was always a really interesting exercise in talking about sort of your early cultural influences, like what stories you remember and what sorts of things you imprinted on as like a childish duckling. Yeah. And like a lot of my friends... All children are ducklings. That's that's actually the the key to child raising. Of course. (laughs) Quack. Um, But like while my friends were watching Cinderella and like getting a bell ball gown and things like that, the very first story, like the very first story that I remember consuming as a kid, and we're talking about when I was three years old at maximum sitting in front of a crummy television in our apartment in Shanghai is um, from one of the classics of Chinese literature, 
the uh, dream of the red mansions. Now, don't worry. I'm like not smart. I'm still pretty illiterate. Sorry, mom. Like I wasn't reading this book. I was watching the 1980s television series of this. But that's how we take in our archetypes, right? Like the same sort of idea of like the, you know, Hansel and Gretel or like the faded love or, you know, Sleeping Beauty type things. It doesn't have to be the source material. It's just kind of the archetype that's told over and over again. Yeah, the, the many, many interpretations of it. Like there have been dozens of probably films and attempts to tell this story, which is extremely sweeping. Um, and it's about a wealthy family of Imperial courtiers, um, in basically in classical China, right? Like during the Ming dynasty, I think is when it is again, sorry, mom, I cannot fact check you. Yeah. It's going to be okay. (laughs) I'm shaming myself on this podcast some more again. It's about this massive family, all of their trials, tribulations, and scandals, And the very first memory of storytelling I have as a little kid is of watching the lead female character from this series dying in the snow under a plum tree, mourning her lost love, who is her cousin, Mm. who is her lost love, who is her lost love because he has been tricked into marrying their other cousin by their family who has told him that he's marrying the girl of his dreams who's just died under a plum tree. Classic. Cool, cool, cool. So, and this whole story wraps up many, many chapters later with him running away to be a monk, uh, the whole family collapsing, and several of his sisters becoming prostitutes. Obviously. Nice! So, and before the people listening to this are like, um, actually, I am aware that the original author never finished the story, and that this... Oh, did he, like, die before? Yes. Oh, man. He he ate it before he finished it, and (laughs) somebody else sort of made up their own ending, and it has been only the most controversial thing in Chinese literature ever. There are probably people with, like, 15 PhDs writing about whether or not this ending is actually valid. I love that shit. That is my favorite thing in the entire world. I love it because it is futile. Like, we'll never know. We'll never know if Shakespeare actually authored the plays that he is said to have, or if he had collaborators for more than we think he did. Like, people will, like, get into fistfights over this (laughs) stuff, and historians will, like, snark at each other in the footnotes of their monographs. And, like, that is the kind of stuff I live for. I just find it really fascinating because as a person, I just don't understand that mentality. Like, okay, why does it matter? The story is the story. Like, it doesn't... It, I, I just can't understand the academic pettiness over I, this. You know what? I totally get that, though. I totally get the academic pettiness. I get the, like, desire for there to be more. Like, there was a really... I'm not going to say shitty book. It was an okay book um, <laughs> called uh, Mr. Penumbra's 24-Hour Bookstore. An okay book, but basically the idea was they were trying to solve this riddle of this guy who wrote down a book and trying to solve what it meant. Yes. Terrible ending, I, but I thought whatever. it was a pretty entertaining book. Okay. So, with the pretty bad ending, I'm sorry, Women Flown, please love us. Uh, <laughs> but, yes, the, the whole idea is, like, it was, like, a cult of people yes. almost that sprung up around, like, solving the mystery of a book. Mm. Right, and that's, like, a real thing that people do. Like, I just heard about this thing. It was called, It's a book. It's called The Secret. It's not the one about visualization. <laughs> it's not about, about manifesting your dreams into reality. No, it's not. So, it's about this... But what is The Secret? It's about what this is guy. It? What in, is this? Yeah. <laughs> this guy in 1987 created this book that was 12 or 13 photos and uh, poetry that goes along with it. Okay, and basically, already book. basically, he puts out these photos and poetry are clues to these 12 or 13 uh, 
boxes that I've hidden across uh, North America. If you find the box, wow. there's a key inside. If you bring the key to me, I will give you a jewel that is worth $10,000. Back on the, back when you just published your address on the internet. I mean, like, that's totally fine. I think you'd have to write in, like, with a photo of the thing, and then he would Oh, I thought you just, like, showed up at his doorstep, no, like, hey... No. What's yeah, up? this this really shows the differences in personality because I'm mostly sitting here thinking, how many jewels worth ten thousand dollars? So many jewels. Person wow. So uh, only two of the boxes yeah, it's have like been quite found. Quite a large advance. Like, yes. Yeah. So only two of the boxes have been found. The guy died in two thousand five in oh, like no. a, a somewhat suspicious uh, car crash what? out on Long Island. Yeah, he's from Long Island. Of course he is, because all the crazy people come Obviously. from Long Island. Um, and so... Which I just learned German or something. Right. Yeah. Uh, but this guy, you know, this guy has created this online community of people who are still trying to find these boxes, and some of them are really close to being found. Some of them, they have no idea, and it's just really cool, and it's all about that human idea that People are trying to solve mysteries, even if they're not really there. Yeah, and to leave mysteries to be solved, right? Like, this guy, you know, died 12 years ago, and still people are talking about him and, and trying to solve his puzzle. Pieces of his, like, you know, life's work are still, like, buried in the ground somewhere. Uh, I don't know. That's we're, we're try, We try to achieve permanence by, like, messing with the order of the universe. Yes, but I'm all about it. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's one of the more charming elements of humanity. Like, we cannot help these sort of idiosyncratic tendencies that we have where we're like, I this doesn't bother me, and then it's just going to bother you, bother you, <laughs> bother you. And you just have to solve the question. I know. Oh, there's so many good examples of that. I love, like, early internet, you know, text puzzles and, and oh, dear God. Cri cryptographic whatever. All about that. Or, like, the entire Reddit detective threads, right? Yeah. Like, anytime they I, decide I to solve a mystery. I wasn't going to say it because I just find them so pleasurable to read, but yes. also it gets super destructive and creepy. So, yes. you know, take it with a grain of salt. Also, FYI, everyone listening to this, the first two seasons of Unsolved Mysteries is now on Amazon Prime. Knock yourselves <laughs> out, kiddos. Tip for me to you. There's actually a lot of really beautiful imagery associated with her, like very early on in the story, and she's like 14 at this age. She's like burying plum blossoms that have fallen where she talks about how tragic it is and how fleeting beauty and youth are. It's a metaphor. Yeah, and she just mourns it. Anyway, she eats it at 16. Aww, Classic girl. Chinese. It's what we do. <laughs> well, Juliet was also like 12 or something. I know, it's really upsetting. I try the, not to think The that. second someone told me that, I was like, oh no, why'd you go and do that? Yeah, I know, like, I, I don't like this anymore. <laughs> or like, Amanda and I just went to see uh, Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812 and they're like oh she's 16 I'm like why why yeah. is this thing it's a musical happening? about like war and peace and a woman who is betrothed and like has her first like you know feeling Sexual of awakening. sexuality right and it's like oh no and then uh, and then like, just fucks everything a, like married courtier like takes advantage of her and and anyway it's it's classic like Russian tragedy of course but yeah why I, I don't know at 15 I was like painting my nails blue I wasn't like like a, like a tragic nymph dying for true love I don't know I feel like at 15 was around the around the age I spent a year convinced I was a lesbian because I was so into Dana Scully you know we've all been so there like we've everyone all has been there. there yeah I if mean I had known the X-Files before 21 <laughs> that too would have been my fate I was like, I remember really distinctly watching a number of episodes, and I was like, well, I guess I'm gay. Like, she's definitely the best part of the show, this and I'm obsessed with her. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's just, she's so good. I know, and, and I spend all day fantasizing even, about how pretty she is. Even it's the just makes sense. Uh, with those, shoulder those pads, shoulder pads. Oh, it's such just, an aggressive just, look. I, on the other hand, like everyone wants that those shoulder pads to be off of you. Like, let's just get you out of those shoulder pads, son. You know, like that works out best for everybody. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, speaking of love, good transition. Go good ahead. Good transition, right? Smooth love, love, plums, and shoulder pads. That's right. Spirits podcast. <laughs> 
So speaking of love, the actual story I ended up deciding that I would come here and tell is probably the most famous Chinese love story of all time. Nice. Um, and it hilariously has very little Western footprint at all. Good. Um, so this is called Liangzu in Chinese, which is the surnames of the two characters in question. And it's probably more famously known as the Butterfly Lovers, which is actually the name of a piece of music that was composed about their tragic love story afterward. Obviously it was tragic. Um, I was going to say, it sounds like a Coldplay song. <laughs> sounds tragic AF. <laughs> yeah. And the other really interesting thing about this story is that it forms like a template for a lot of things that you will see in Asian storytelling, particularly in Chinese storytelling. In in even modern day things. And you'll just like listen to the story and go down a checklist of like, yep, yep, yep. Cross-dressing, weirdness, terrible families, death, like all of this stuff comes up. Yeah. That's like awesome. you, you listen to a story at the beginning. You're like, well, I guess we're not done yet. Cause yeah. we've gotten to the cross-dressing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like obsessive tiger mom focus on education. Yeah. It's already here. <laughs> um, so just to get us started, our lead characters are Zhu Yingtai, which is our girl. So we'll call her Yingtai for the course of the story. Cool. And our dude is named Liang Sanbo, um, and we'll just call him Sanbo. So the background is Zhu Yingtai is actually the daughter of an extremely wealthy family. Um, Sounds some, like she has a lot to lose. <laughs> Sounds like it. She's the daughter of an extremely wealthy family, but her mother is extremely well-educated and she wants the same for her daughter. And also, if she's going to be anybody's wife, she needs to be a very erudite one. So the only way, of course, to get her sort of beyond the traditional female education of like some poetry and embroidery and things like that. Let me guess. Cross-dressing? Yes. Yes. So, so her mom binds her breasts, teaches her how to dress up like a boy, and they send her off to... Um, like a boys school. Uh, and she lives as a man for several years wow. studying there. Now, while she is at the school, she meets Liang Sanbo, who is actually the poor scholarship student. Yes. Like he is there on merit alone. And you were just like so excited off every like part of, if I was writing fan fiction, this would be what I would be writing about. I mean, yeah. just wait oh. for it. So poor scholarship boy, And the two of them form this tremendous friendship. Now, there are different versions of how this goes. Some stories tell that, some versions of the story say that he figured out Zhu Yingtai was actually a girl earlier on before she ever left the school. It wasn't gay, guys. Don't worry. It wasn't gay. Yeah. (laughs) And other versions say that he didn't realize until later when he decided to pay a visit to her family. But either way, the two of them fall passionately in love. So the challenge here is the following. He is dirt poor and a nobody. And she, because of both birth and her family's aspirations, is really fated for a very, very, a very high level marriage to which that he can never aspire to. So one of the things that's also important to know for the context of the story is that China was one of the first countries in the world that had a civil service exam. Yeah, it was. So even though... (laughs) Fucking administrated so well. Amanda remembers that from world history and that's about it. I do. (laughs) Nerd shit. For life. Um, so the paperwork is always what got me. It's real good. It's real good. <laughs> the war is like, whatever, whatever. Get, get back to the paperwork. I love it. So even if Sanfu was dirt poor and came from nothing, he could test into the bureaucracy and eventually hold ever higher levels of power within the government yeah. based solely on his wits. So his plan was that he was going to take the civil service exam and place really high. 
Um, then I assume that he doesn't because you said that's what his plan was. Well, he's going to place really high and then he's going to take his newly acquired bureaucratic status and the promise of future advancement and then go to her family and ask for her hand in marriage. Makes sense. Good so plan. the version that I always grew up with was they discussed this. This was their plan. So after Inghai had been taken home by her family. So the plan was that he was going to take this exam and he was going to score really high. He was going to become a high level bureaucrat and then he was going to go to her family and ask for her hand in marriage. After Yingtai gets taken home by her family, she's awaiting his arrival and he's going home to study for this test. Sounds like something go real wrong. Something's gonna go wrong. The family's going, my, I, I want to take a guess. The family is going to have someone waiting for her to get married to before he's able to take Hit her before he can ding, get it. Yes! yes! So... <laughs> When she gets home, when she gets home, the family already has someone in mind, obviously, that they would like her to marry. And she is ardently against this, right? She is very upfront saying that, like, she has fallen in love with someone else, that he is taking the exam right now. He's going to be the top scorer, and then he'll be a bureaucrat, and he'll be totally worthy of her. Screw you guys. I'm going to marry my boyfriend. Also, like, it must have been so trippy having lived as a man for several years and, like, enjoying that male privilege. Like, yeah. Like having your opinion count for stuff, you know? You can't just step back from that. It's it's a little bit different than that. So I would say that she did enjoy male privilege while she was living as a man, but I don't know if her opinion counted for much because the way that True. tutelage happened in, like, the school is very much the same way that Chinese schools still run today where it's, like, a lot of memorization and people are mean to you. Yes. Gotcha. So That's she just, like, the, the card to enter was just yeah. the, the male I mean, she, dress. but she was also away from home, right? Yeah. You have to understand understand that like these um daughters of really wealthy households oftentimes never left the curated gardens of their homes so she not only saw the world she saw the world unfettered by her family and she couldn't be monitored you know she didn't have to embroider anything for years amazing (laughs) just just skipped on those embroidery lessons she got to she got to like learn pants instead i don't know (laughs) lots of things wearing pants every every day i put on my pants i go thank you foremothers yes exactly (laughs) so she's sitting there fighting the good fight trying to like hold out on this relationship while he's taking the exam. And of course he scores really high. He gets a great posting, but when he brings his meager bride gift to the family to try and make his appeal, her family is like, no effing thank you. (laughs) And basically run him out of town and throw him into a ditch and have a bunch of people beat the crap out of him. Damn son. That's violent. Just say no. That's no and don't come back. I know it's very rude. Um, so he eventually gets, you know, like collected out of his ditch and dragged back home. <laughs> well, that's nice. And dragged back home, but he's basically destroyed as a person. Like he's very injured. He's heartbroken, oh. and she's also furious because obviously she knows that they've hurt her true love, and her family doesn't care at this point. They're like, he's out of the he's out of the way. We've agreed to this marriage contract with this other wealthy person, so we are going to make this happen. Um, and while she's still trying to fight this as much as she can and hold out. He unfortunately gets an infection and dies from his injuries. Yeah. Dies of his injuries. And his poor mother, who is the only surviving member of his family, already widowed, only son. Uh, I know. Just to like twist the knife a little. Buries him. Now, traditional Chinese, to give you some, um, a visual on this traditional Chinese, burials are not like a flat grave or a mausoleum they typically do a mound burial so it's like a giant mound of earth and there'll be like a little concrete 
board like right in front of it with the mm-hmm. name and where you can leave offerings and things like that so when ying tai hears this she's obviously completely heartbroken she starts crying she doesn't stop crying so during this point her parents are like whatever her guy is dead so let's start preparing the marriage oh, no. so all throughout the process don't, don't mind the crying bride in yeah, the corner might be a little her. upset for Ugh. her please Ugh. so all the while she's crying she's crying she's crying they're doing the marital preparations and her mother at this point is starting to feel a little bit of guilt about the way this entire situation has gone down. Um, And she basically says to her daughter, you know, the night before they're about to send off her wedding (laughs) palakin to her new husband, like, Wait, I'm sorry. What was that word? Wedding you just pelican? Because that's what I heard. I heard wedding pelican. I'm like, I'm sorry. Is this like a thing that I don't? Yeah, know we about? just like stick a girl in the mouth. And no, like, I was and like, oh, okay, so like, like the wedding gifts have to be small enough to fit in the pelican's mouth. <laughs> I guess that makes sense. No, the no. wedding pelican. Okay, pelican. A wedding pelican. Just to clarify, what, what is that? It's um. Gosh, I, you know what? That's a really interesting question that I don't know how to explain. It's basically, in Chinese, it's called a jiaozi, but it's like a man-powered, like, um, just a man. Like litter? It's, it's like a litter, but it's like you have a little booth. Like, you sit inside of a little booth, and there's, like, two, like, so four guys carry you. Okay, yeah, Yeah. that that probably actually is the word for it, but I just never knew that before. I mean, it's a very fancy version of a litter. I just remembered why I knew that word, and it's because of Steven Universe, and we can move on now. (laughs) (laughs) We must not have gotten there yet in our rewatch. No, we haven't. It was, like, one of the most recent episodes. Mm. It's good. Okay, sorry. So um, they're getting ready to send her off on her wedding palakin soon. They're like, how can we make you stop crying? Like... Yeah, I feel sort of bad that... Bring back my love. As a consequence of my choices, you are suffering. <laughs> so Ying Tai agrees. She basically says, like, look, I will consent to this marriage, but my last request is this. On the way to my new husband's home, I want the wedding palakin to go past Sampo's grave because I want to burn some money for him, and I want to say my last respects. Julia shaking her nope. head vociferously. Nope, 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 nope. Knows you that this don't, is a bad nope. idea. Just bad. Just, no. just close the wound. Just she's close so, the door. She's so narratively intelligent. Oh, God. <laughs> this is what she's here for. That is what I'm here for. <laughs> you just know. I'm, I'm here to mishear words and make jokes about them. <laughs> to be fair, I did interrupt with Pelican first. I'm glad. It wasn't just you. I, I think you saw me go, What? <laughs> They have wedding pelicans? <laughs> Both important skills. How good would that yeah. be? I mean, the best part of this is I don't actually know whether or not pelicans are native to China at all. I don't know that either. <laughs> um, I will Google it later. <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes. Um, so her mother agrees. She thinks this is fine. Fine enough. We'll do this. And so the wedding procession goes. On the day of the procession, she comes out of the wedding pelican. And Chinese weddings you don't wear white, you wear red. It's because there once was a really greedy god who liked to steal all the hot chicks on their wedding day, and the only color that he can't see through is red. Love it. That's wonderful. Yeah, I love it. I it's, dig it. It's fantastic. When if you see, only there was like a style of clothing that Zeus didn't like. You know? You know? So could, <laughs> Zeus just liked women. And yeah. suddenly, like, and pantaloons some guys, And some guys. And some guys. Zeus is like, can't stop, won't stop when it comes to him. Oh, it's I just like, it. I'm a swan now. Let's fuck. <laughs> I'm a swan. I'm a bull. Let me pee on you. Like, let's just make it all happen, guys. <laughs> it wasn't let me pee on you, to be fair. He was literally a golden shower. <laughs> is but that I, better or is no, that worse? it's not better, but at least it's not urine. <laughs> 
that's what you think. I mean, yeah. So our main girl is wearing red, and she's not married yet, right? Like, no, she's she, on her she's way on to be the way to This the is like her taking the limo to the church, yeah. but stopped at, at the a, limo at the graveyard, graveyard on the way to the just, church. Just your quick little stop off at the graveyard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this you is like a really that, interesting no? mental image that you're creating here, where like this girl climbs out of a bird's mouth, like <laughs> in her she's riding it. Like writing it and and the um, all the stuff like her her like wedding what do you call that the her um, trousseau I guess like like the chest of important things oh the dowry chest? The dowry yeah, yeah. Like, like the dowry chest of the hope chest is like in the pelican's mouth nice anyway uh, that's just me this um, is some serious <laughs> studio Ghibli shit happening right now oh my listen God. listen my brain spins this shit out immediately it's upon all gold mishearing it's it all gold it's uh, all gold however uh the kind of like visiting the graveyard on the way to a happy thing. Uh, my family does all the time. Like my, my grandparents on my Irish side are buried in like, oh in like this side in, in the town where all my cousins and aunts and uncles have gotten married and like all the cousins have been baptized and their kids have been christened, whatever. It's the most and Irish so, like, thing you've and ever so, And so on the way to the wedding of the baptism, you just stop off at the graveyard. So I had a grandma and grandpa trim the shrub and continue on your way. <laughs> shrub in your wedding dress or tongue. Do you like yeah. pause, commemorate a potato famine? Like what is this? <laughs> This is amazing. No, they 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 died after just fleeing like economic depression. Oh, okay, but that's different. Like, like you do. But you know, you just you just stop off, say hi, go, and I didn't realize it was a weird thing until this moment. Yeah, it's a it's, little. You know, weird it's, not, it's not weird. It's it's eccentric. I can't remember the last time I went to a graveyard like with a specific you come purpose. Next time. No, yeah, thank you. Coming up soon. They make me real awkward. <laughs> <laughs> How do I respond to this? <laughs> Anyways, anyway, still, yeah, like anyway. That. So she climbs out of her wedding palican. She's in front of the burial mound of her best beloved. Oh, and she's still wearing all the red of her uh, wedding. Uh. But in China, whereas red is the color that you wear to get married, white is actually the color of mourning. So she pulls off her veil, her red veil and she pulls off the red overcoat of her wedding gown and she's wearing all white and full mourning underneath. Yes. And she runs out to the grave where everyone thinks she's just going to be burning some paper money so that he has it in the afterlife or whatever. Oh no, does she throw nope, herself nope, nope. on the grave and kill herself? No, she doesn't because oh. this is China and we is extra TM. So instead... <laughs> The grave opens. Oh, yes! And she throws herself into it, and it closes behind her. I am all about that! That is so good! And the version of the story that I grew up with is that there was no trace of her. Like, she just... The grave consumed her so that she could be with her love. And that their souls turned into a pair of butterflies, and that they flitted off together. Yes! about this story. I love that. And I, I also, I love stories where like the elemental forces are on yes. our hero's side. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things that's really interesting where, yes, it's a very human story, obviously, but it also has this underlying elemental is really a good way to say it, like an elemental mysticism, because there's not really going to be the intervention of a specific god or goddess. It's just that the forces of karmic fate are going to be aware that some things need to be righted. Um, and so like, this is one of the very first love stories that I grew up consuming and that I sounds like very realistic expectations for you. I know. I mean, like if I don't find a man who is willing to get the shit beaten out of him by my family and then have a grave that will consume me so we can be together forever. It is just not not worth it. Also, let's just observe her epic, like date and night transition of the like (laughs) wedding finery to like dying in distress to haunt you thereafter. So good. She's, she's, she's. She's turned up to 11. She is. She is. Yeah. The story is turned up to 11. Yeah. Let's be real right here. I love it. 
Yeah. It's it would have been 12 if there were pelicans. <laughs> it would have been 12 if there were pelicans. So this is one of those stories that's very similar to, like, Romeo and Juliet has mm-hmm. in terms of Western canon, where you can see echoes of it in everything, but yeah. it's also been reinterpreted in a, in a million different ways. There were, there was, like, a movie made in Hong Kong in, like, the 90s, which is what I grew up watching a lot of. There have been other movies made subsequently. There have been t- television series. It's been told a million and a half times, and it's always this... Um, this template story about a sheltered girl who freed from the confines of her female requirements falls in love with someone. And it's always this, like, there's always this weird sort of subtext of like, it's not gay because she's actually a girl, but it's also interesting. (laughs) It's my favorite of all subtexts. But it's also really interesting, right? That like, A, that education plays such a fundamental role in this. And also... And also the loss of your female requirements, like the loss of like the rules around being a woman is what actually let her fall so passionately in love and that they developed this abiding relationship when, you know, sexual love may or may not have even been part of the initial conversation. So strong and so pure, right. And so, and so worth waiting for. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And there's also some, some element of like, uh, freed from expectation yes uh the the bonds that you make and the things that you discover are so much like purer and stronger yeah because like they wouldn't have been in the same room together Mm -hmm. if you know there wasn't some scholarship for him to get into that room where he wasn't supposed to be and if she hadn't you know elaborately uh fooled the system to get into a room where she also wasn't supposed to be yeah and i think that but what fundamentally brings it back down to the very sort of like depressingly earthy Chinese interpretation of things is that even though like at no point in the story, do you think that their love is foolish or misguided? Like you feel for them. Like these two people are genuinely in love, but that doesn't change the fundamental reality that they can never be together on this Mm. earthly plane. Like he is not meant for her. She is not meant for him. There was no way it was ever going to happen, but they do find a way to be together and it is in death. Just not on the earthly plane. Yeah. And it's different than Romeo and Juliet where they, in a weird way, and I mean, like, this is coming from many years later from first having heard the story, but, like, it almost feels like you read the story, you're like, they're 14, they're really impetuous, like, they're making these foolish decisions to kill themselves without having any real understanding of the consequences. Just trusting some friar in the woods, getting their timing all mixed up, and, like, yeah, yeah, like, they create their own tragedy. Yeah, whereas he dies as a consequence of, like, this plan that they had shared, but just as a tragic side effect of it, and then she makes the deliberate act that this is this is the fate she chooses. Oh. So as tragic as it is, at least they made this with their eyes open and not being fourteen years old, too dumb yeah. to live. Yeah. And in and in so much Shakespeare, like human um, uh, faults and kind of misguided plans meet with like the irony of fate. Mm-hmm. So like you'll make a plan with best intentions, and and fate will intervene so that the the plan goes wrong, and fate steps in like in the right way to make your wrongness like extremely you know narratively uh, suitable. But here, like the plan was sound, the family's rationale was reasonable, and like everyone just acted in their best interests. It wasn't like a like the the horse carts missed each other, you yeah. know, or like the letters didn't get there in time. Like it was you know just just not pos- possible given yeah. the you know, the society they were living in. Yes. 
Sorry, I have a question really quick. Um, is there any sort of subtext to the story or like implied if she had just uh, maintained in her place and had not like overstepped her female boundaries that like this tragedy wouldn't have happened? I find, I mean, it could be, right? Because I've grown up with these stories like third hand through movies and from mm -hmm. my parents' retellings. But I find it difficult to think that's intended right because there's no way the story could have happened at all if she had ever stayed within right. her female yeah, he boundaries. wasn't like their groundskeeper yeah i just yeah. wanted to make sure it wasn't like a cautionary tale because no. i feel like that would have taken away from i don't the i story I, I, I definitely feel like it isn't i don't feel like there's i think the interesting thing about a lot of stories that i grew up with is that they're aren't real there isn't like a moral attached to this yeah. do you know what Life i mean it's complicated and like, sometimes sad yeah there's like nothing like you hear the story like what do you learn out of it it's like everyone can sometimes do their best and as you said act in their best interest in ways that make sense and things can still end up in horrible configurations that are genuinely sad but you're you look at it and you're like this was sort of unavoidable mm -hmm. right like there was nothing you could do about this well maybe if she stayed in her proper female role this wouldn't have happened they wouldn't have met but her mother was the one who was wanting, and her parents right. were the ones who yeah. agreed that she should go to this school. It's not like she ran away to do it. Right. She did it with their full consent and encouragement. Yeah, and from the parents' point of view, they're like, well, you just had a dope education. Like, I'm so glad you had this great relationship, but like, now now we're back. You know, yeah. now we're like living our Focus lives. Focus up. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, you know, again, everyone's acting in their best interest and, yeah. and shit's sad anyway. Yeah. It's, it was, so it was really interesting to me when I got to the States and all the stories were like, Everyone is alive at the end of this? <laughs> Wait, people get married can, at the end of this? You can try and it works? Like, yeah, like this This is this is all very simplistic to me. <laughs> <laughs> One character died and he got trampled by, uh, by wildebeest? <laughs> Weird. What are you guys referencing? Uh, Lion the Lion King. King, Amanda. I haven't seen this since like 1995. Oh, okay. So. You need to revisit that. Because do, there is nothing like watching lions fall in love and being like, am I a furry? Like, <laughs> this <laughs> is a furry now. This is a little upsetting. Like, there's a scene where they're like making bedroom eyes at each other. And I was like, you're cats. They're like, why do I find Matthew Broderick as a lion hot? It's just, it's just <laughs> like happening. really, it's really upsetting because when you're an adult, you're like, these are animals. Right, that's like everyone's like, wow, the animated fox Robin Hood is really hot. I'm like, mm, at least he's somewhat humanoid. Right. No, I think that one messed a lot of people up. <laughs> like, I think a lot Honestly, of people. Guys, no judgment. If that's your thing, that's your thing. I'm just saying, not not mine. It's also uh, problematically reinforced by Zootopia. No, yes, that did make right? it worse. Nick Wilde is foxy mm. and you're like hey, he's, a, he's a cartoon fox I put that together. Very good. I put that together this is bad oh boy i have a feeling that media was very influential to your like imprinting on romantic uh, objects <laughs> i'm gonna show my hand as a 12 year old anime fan oh my god yes Great. i want to hear this so Linda much here for this because this story sounds a lot like orin high school uh, host club what? <laughs> like, this does not sound like well, orin high school okay. host club at all Wait, the beginning part where it's the, yes. the cross-dressing okay. and uh, the scholarship student okay. and them falling in love even though one's a dude and one's a yes. girl also, she's, she's the man she's totally gender fluid and it's awesome Awesome. <laughs> but there's also like that idea of like sexuality and also difference where yes. she's the man doesn't have that so much. She's yes. the man. There's no scholarship kid. And you know, yeah. Yeah. Kick, the kick kind of class, right. The, the kind of class yeah. dynamics aren't there. Uh, we, uh, Julie and I did guest star on a fabulous podcast called loose cannon, which is about like underappreciated movies that aren't in the film canon, but should be, uh, where we, we got mad deep into the gender roles in she's the man. She's the man is a classic film that yes. is yes. truly underappreciated. I so agree. Is. I would 
love for you to listen to our episode and let us know what we missed. <laughs> we, I w- walked in there with like six pages of cited notes. We watched it. We were so I ready. saw Amanda taking notes as we were watching. I'm like, yes, into it. I, so good. I cannot, I finally found my people. Like, <laughs> I only know one other person who genuinely and unironically loves that movie. It's, it's great fucking amazing. Movie. It is just, it chew like you have a secret. It's just one of like yeah. the greatest. <laughs> Lines of my life. It's like, it's Amanda Bynes in the perfect role, mm-hmm. right? Like, yes. physical comedy, a little bit soulful, funny, like, she's pure, like, and, and just, like, so into what it is that she's doing. Like, it's like Channing a Tatum's course. simple dog humanity yes. is, yes. like, yes. baby so perfect for that Person role. Person Golden Retriever, Channing Tatum. Oh, my God. It's <laughs> There's so much, like, good friends supporting. There's enough, like, you know... Uh, uh, like I don't know what it's called situational co- or not yes. situational comedy but like going in opposite doors like oh no we're gonna find each other like running in and out like Boeing Boeing style oh, or um, something farce I guess yeah yeah, yeah I guess yeah. farcical also but, like, like one uh, of the greatest like oh now you can have a crush on her screw you guys I hate high school yes. oh that is only the good best line. line ever like it, it it both is and respects and calls the fuck out of the like high school like dramedy com yes. you know like romance relationship like movie. real good for an early 2000s movie. That movie yeah. was hashtag pure. And also... It was. There was a little bit policing of bodies, but other than that, yeah, excellent yeah. movie. Yes. There was a little bit like gender policing. Yeah. Um, other than like, it was the early 2000s. Otherwise, it did pretty well. Yeah. Otherwise, Dave Across meant well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, forgot, you forgot he was in that for a second, didn't oh you? Oh my God. Channing, we'll, we'll link our episode of Loose Cannon, but if, if nothing also else, show notes. <laughs> if nothing else, folks, uh, go watch She's the Man at Your Earliest Convenience. <laughs> Please do. And also, I will try to find the IMDb link to the 90s version of this movie, which I think is probably one of the better versions Ooh. of the movie about the butterfly lovers. Yeah. So if anyone is interested, you can try to hunt that film down. Were the butterflies red and white? No, they were both um, this pale celadon green. Ooh. Ooh. Were they like, like new grass? Pardon? Like <laughs> medicine, new grass. I said Luna moths because um, that's a thing. I don't know what those are. Oh, they're like these bright green, uh, like butterflies, basically that have sort of like a long tail. I, they don't have tails. Okay. It's it's probably like a very pale green. I'll and show I you said, a picture of the Luna moth. Okay, over yeah. Uh, two things. One, I said new grass, like the kind of metaphor of like starting anew and, uh, and like okay. new plants and things. That was uh, cute. Thank you. But also Luna is the name of a wonderful YA novel by Julie Ann Peters about a, a transgender teenager in one of the first books I ever read about like gender nonconforming and, and trans youth. I think you gave that to me to read. I don't remember anything about it. But... She wrote several really good books. Was this recently? Nope, it was in like the early aughts or mid aughts. Oh, wow. Julie Ann Peters. Yeah, you were reading them early. <laughs> yeah, there was like one LGBTQ shelf at our library and I read the read fuck out of that single <laughs> shelf. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Linda, for coming and uh, not depressing us exactly, but you know, getting us interested in this like fundamental story. <laughs> I was expecting a lot worse. Story. Yeah, I was expecting like just like blood slaying all over the place, no, like ruining bloodlines, curses. It's more, it's less about gore when it comes to like, uh, what I call a very specific Chinese sadness. It's less about gore and it's about this like deep knowing that you can never be truly happy. This <laughs> face right now. Face is so <laughs> She's just like, oh. <laughs> like, it's just, the best way to describe it, just it was crystallized just crystallized right, right then. It was a moment of existential it, sadness. It, 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 is the, it is the emotional equivalent of pressing on a bruise. That's oh, the way the Chinese oh, fiction no. should feel. Well, on that note, listeners, stay creepy. Stay cool. <laughs> Bye. Bye.
Experience was created by Julia Shafini and me, Amanda McLaughlin. It's edited by Eric Schneider with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Subscribe to Spirits on your preferred podcast app to make sure you never miss an episode. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Tumblr at Spirits Podcast. On our Patreon page, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast, you can sign up for exclusive content like behind-the-scenes photos, audio extras, director's commentary, blooper reels, and beautiful recipe cards with custom drink and snack pairings. If you like the show, please share with your friends and leave us a review on iTunes. It really does help. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time.